Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru, the podcast for and about conscious leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Laura Tucker. I'm delighted to bring a conversation with Christina Rilo to the podcast this episode. It's hard to believe it's number 81 and that it's been almost four years since the beginning of Free Your Inner Guru. And four years feels like a great time to step into something new. So it's my pleasure to invite you to join the Free Your Inner Guru Discourse community. If you've not heard of Discourse before, it's an app and a website designed to bring people together for civilized discussion. It's not a social media platform, which was the first thing that came to mind when I first heard of it. This is a platform that somebody is the community host. And in this case, that'll be me and the podcast. I've been involved in a number of discourse communities this past year through the Akimbo workshops and some spinoffs from that. And they have added such value to my life over the course of this year that I wanted to create that for listeners of the podcast. Many times after an episode is released, I feel like there's needs to be more discussion or the episode itself wants more discussion. And that comes back to me. So I'm the lucky person in the middle who gets to interview the guests and then receive the insights and messages from listeners. But I know that there's a way to do this and bring them together onto a a membership platform. And, uh, And that's what we're rolling out. It's now a part of the Free Your Inner Guru leadership community. And when new members sign up via Patreon, you are automatically added in and will be welcomed in by me and some of the founding members. There's more information at freeyourinnerguru.com forward slash community. And I'll be preparing some collateral to go with it, but it's ready. It's what I've been waiting for before releasing the next episode. And, uh, and it's just time, time to move forward. It's spring there's new energy coming into the air. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are still very much wanting to maintain a sense of connection with like-minded people. So if you are a conscious leader who craves authenticity and wants to share your insights in a group, this is the community for you. And it will be my mission to make it as positive an experience for you as I have been on the receiving end for this uh, past year or so. So with no further detail on that, let's shift over and talk about Christine. So Christine Arilo is a transformational leadership advisor, teacher, speaker, and three-time best-selling author. She is recognized worldwide for her work helping women to make shift happen in the lives they lead, the work they do, and the world they wish to create. In this interview, we use her most recent book, Overwhelmed and Over It, as a starting point, and we dive deep into an exploration of how we can free ourselves from the overculture and create a more sustainable and joy-filled life. And this idea of the overculture and how we can get out from underneath it was central to the discussion, uh, because this is a, a relatively new thought to for not a new thought, but a new language for it for me. And this idea that we unknowingly assimilate into an overculture that we have had no hand in designing in order to survive overwhelm and burnout, but by assimilating into it, we are causing overwhelm and burnout. 
that is the opposite of a virtuous cycle. So Christine's work is very much in this realm. She teaches about tapping into our feminine wisdom and guys hang around. Feminine wisdom is for men and women. There are ideas here and many women like me lean very heavily towards masculine energy and you know it's all across the board. It's not gender related. Um, there are certainly some particular concerns around masculine and feminine energy with women that Christine and I get into, but this is something that I think men also need to um, to hear, to understand. It's a thing and you'll probably see yourselves in it because at the end of the day, we're all human. We all experience overwhelm in our own way. We are all potential um, candidates for burnout and we all need solutions so that we can become the change and the leaders that we want to see in the world. So um, enjoy. Would love to get your feedback in the term in the way of ratings and reviews. And now we have a new place to continue the conversation over in our brand new discourse community. So uh, with no further introduction, I give you Christine Arilo, overwhelmed and over it. Welcome to Free Your Inner Guru, Christine. It is a pleasure to have you here. Mm. I have, I just finished reading your book, Overwhelmed and Over It, and we decided to start recording right away because we were jumping right in to talk about how I would like to recommend or give a copy of it to every one of my, my, in particular, female friends, but a lot of my men in my life too. Mm, Well, it's so great to be here with you. So hello, everybody. And I'm super excited to dive into our conversation today. It feels the perfect time. Absolutely. So let's start, let's set the stage for, um, I was describing Overwhelmed and Over It as a book that when you look at the cover, it's speaking to the challenge, it's speaking directly to the challenge of overwhelm and wanting to do something to shift it. And then in between the covers, it's not like there's, uh, it's, it's not a bait and switch by any means, but when you get into the cover below the surface or almost immediately, you start talking about the way that we are programmed or designed for overwhelm. And you introduced me to a word that I wasn't familiar with. And I was kind of kicking myself because I have a friend who's been recommending the book, um, Women Running with Wolves. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it comes from. And it's this idea of there being an overculture. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. I'm going to lob you that one. <laughs> that is a juicy place to start you all. And so I will, I will, I'll, I'll share what you all would overculture is. And as I start to say it, everyone's head's going to start to go like this. So it's not a word that I coined. It's actually a word that is from Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote the book, Women Who Run With Wolves, gosh, probably over 25 years ago. So this just kind of tells you how long this epidemic of overwhelm and burnout has been in our culture. And it goes way beyond that. You could go, you go back to when women fully entered the workforce in the 1970s. You could go back to the start of the industrial revolution in the 1700s. You could go back to the Romans. It kind of just depends on how, how far back you want to, you want to go. But I think the word overculture, it's such a great word because what it means per Clarissa's definition, is the crazy, mad society that we agree to assimilate into or that we unknowingly assimilate into just to basically survive. 
And the best metaphor I have for it, and this is part of the reason why we can't get out of these unsustainable, crazy making, no matter how much personal growth we do, how many, how many mantras we say, how many affirmations, because we are like, so think of it this way, we're like fish in a fishbowl, but we don't know we're in a fishbowl. We don't even know that we're not free because we're in this fishbowl. There's all these other fish and we're just trying to stay alive. We're trying to trying to get the fish flakes. We're waiting for the fish flakes to drop in and we want to get our castle. Then we want to get a bigger castle. And we don't even know that we're not free until one day you've worked so hard and given so much to everyone else and everything else. Maybe not even what really matters to you. And you go belly up. Because the stress and the distress is too much. And they don't, if they come, they come with a little scooper, they pick you up and they put you in the toilet and they flush you down. And then another one kind of comes in. And, and so I think this, this, this piece of overculture, kind of think of that of like, what are the ways in which I'm swimming in a fishbowl? I'm swimming in water and I don't even realize I'm not free. And then I'm in, whether it's a self-created reality or it's a imprinted societal reality that I've just taken to be how it has to be. But it's not how it has to be because humans have designed every system on the planet. You and I have designed our lives, whether we feel like we're empowered in that or not, which means we actually have the power to change it. I cannot help but go for context to some of the fishbowls that have been thrust in front of us this last year or so in particular. And I think that's why it really, it it hit home for me as I was reading it, because as soon as you start peeling back the layers, whether it's in corporate culture, and I think you and I both share, we both have had either corporate jobs or career and, and left that fishbowl for, for hopefully one of our own design. And, and then some of the bigger societal issues that are being revealed day to day in the news by the pandemic, by politics. There's there's a lot of fishbowls. There are, and we don't even know. I mean, this is the thing. If you're a fish, you don't know that you're swimming in toxic water. It's really interesting because um, I do a lot of personal mentoring with women who are waking up and then they're like, wait a second, this is not the reality I want. And we do what's called harmonize on the inside so that as you rise, you're actually rising into a reality you really desire. And I was talking to a woman I just started working with. She's a mother of two and she downshifted, which I love that now there's a word for it because I talk about downshifting all the time. She downshifted her career about two years ago where she was, a, I think she was like a VP in healthcare and it was just, she couldn't do it anymore, right? The two kids and the traveling all the time. And she was in the grocery store one day and she had, she had like 20 supplements in her cart and she was 60 pounds overweight. And she just had an epiphany of like, WTF, what am I doing? And if she, I'm like, if I don't change something, like this is going the wrong trajectory. So that was about a year and a half ago. We're working together right now and we were doing her, her activation retreat and we're kind of digging into all these imprints and we're just about to, to complete. And she goes, Christine, I have to go because my 11 year old daughter named Sophia, which means wisdom, Sophia means wisdom, is at the door crying because her fish had just died. All her fish just died. And so the metaphor comes to life. The metaphor comes to life. And she has been reading overwhelmed and over it and loved it for all the same reasons. I wrote it, you know, you resonate with it. And, um, and so we talked a couple days later, I said, what happened? And she goes, Sophia took, and she's like, she's 11, right? So she's like, she, I've trusted her to do this. So she took the fish out of the bowl and put it into a bowl with tap water in it. But the tap water 
is toxic to the fish because they're very sensitive fish. And her daughter didn't know that she couldn't just put her in tap water. So then they all died. And then I, you know, I said to her, I go, did you think about that? Did you? And she's like, what? I'm like, she put them into tap water, which we should be able to drink. But because of the toxicity of the water, they all died. And that's water we're supposed to be able to drink. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, so there's a lesson in there, right? For your daughter of like an 11 year old to be like, what toxic water, these, these fish are in toxic water. We're in toxic water. And she saw the parallel between her own life and this healthcare system that she's kind of trapped in or was trapped in. And her daughter learning a very early lesson and in initiation, challenging 11 year old, 11 years old, the water isn't even safe enough for my fish to be in to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I think that I just, to me, that just brings it all to heart is like, we don't even understand how toxic the water is that we're swimming in because we, we've become so resilient as women, especially um, just to suck it up. And like, we'll just make do and we'll push forward and we'll take it on. And we do until it gets to such level of distress or disease or divorce or drama that we pay attention. That's what's happening in society right now. And that is what I'm trying to help women wake up to. So it doesn't have to happen to us individually. So there's two, there's two pieces I want to pick up on that, that you mentioned there. And I, I think the first is just to go back a little bit and say, when you say wake up, uh, cause there's a lot of memes these days around being woke and waking <laughs> up. Um, what do you, what do you mean when, when you're describing uh, a woman who is, who is waking up? Mm. Well, so I would say, first of all, waking up is, is, is something that you never stop. It's, you know, it's, you don't ever, you're like, I am awoke. It's like, oh, really? Then the universe is going to come by and it's going to give you a big little, like a little, little, oh, really now, right? Oh, really? Um, And, and so being awake is a practice. It's not a destination. And that means being awake to yourself and like really, first of all, knowing yourself, knowing your heart, knowing your mind, knowing your body and knowing your soul. Like you need to know all four of those things. And most of us in this culture, we are trained in the mind and we don't really want to get into the heart. We don't really want to get into the soul, you know, unless we go into some place where all of a sudden now we have to, because to go into the heart, there's stuff in there we don't want to have to feel. There's stuff in there we don't want to have to see. But if you don't know your heart and you don't know your soul, which I never got a class in that, you know, all the way up through getting my MBA, no one ever said, does this align with your heart and soul, Christy? <laughs> right? No one asks you that. And because it would be like, ask them a more important question, you know, really ask yeah. a more important There's question. There's no heart or feelings in business. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. Or they tell you to be reasonable or rational. You know, when I was 18, I wanted to work in fashion and I wanted to be a fashion designer. That was my dream. Ever since I was a little girl, I played with fashion plates and I always walked around with markers and I loved to draw. And I, um, I didn't have any mentors or adults at that time to say, you know, follow your dream. And said, I listened to the overculture, which at that point was my mother and also a fear. My father had died when I was 14. My best friend was murdered when I was 14. So I had a lot of loss in my life. And I was in a relationship that lasted for 15 years. It should have ended six months in because I was, I had this deep fear of being abandoned and losing love. 
And so there was like, that was working plus this overculture belief of my family that people who are artists can't survive as artists. You have to do something more practical. So I, um, so I didn't go to New York and I didn't, um, I didn't pursue fashion. And so I actually went into marketing because I'm like, well, marketing is creative and I'm really smart. So I'll do the business thing. So, which I did, which was great. I learned so many things, but I like that part of me for 10 years, I didn't create art. I didn't draw. I didn't paint. It just like withered up and died inside of me. And I used all that creative energy to basically figure out how to sell stuff to people that they didn't need because I worked in advertising and marketing. And um, and I and I and I just think back to that part of um, of how that's true for all of us. You know, there's a, in the in the first chapter in Overwhelmed and Over It that the the old imprint is do be and have it all. Mm-hmm. The new imprint is about really doing what's right for you and redefining success. And that success will change at different points in your life. And so when I finished getting my MBA, um, all my friends, they went and got these really high powered consulting jobs and, you know, because they wanted to make all this money. And I was like, yeah, I've been a consultant before. <laughs> I don't really want to give 80 hours a week, you know, of my life away. I'm not going to do that. And then, or they went and got big jobs at big companies, like selling things because I grew up in Chicago. So they would go work, you know, nothing against craft, but craft doesn't, I don't know if the cheese is really even real. I'm like, it's not even real. You know, I'm like, so I'm going to go pursue my dream now. And I moved to California and with no job and just some money in the bank. And like, I'm going to get a job in fashion. And we can talk about how it all happened. It was super universal supported, but I ended up getting a job at the gap and I worked there for three and a half years. And it was so a part of my path and my destiny that led me to coaching school and led me to where I would be here right now. And um, well, it took me a couple of years, you know, when I was 18, I didn't follow my truth. But when I was 30 and after I had really done the inner work with my own heart to get like, wow, how could a strong woman like me end up here who's chosen a relationship and a lifestyle that's not in alignment with me? And the answer wasn't up here. The answer wasn't here. Oh, it's so the timing on this conversation is is something else because I just um, every day I I I write um, a daily letter to my database on on my website and this podcast lives on its own website now, which was very much an unbundling of everything that I was creating was in service of promoting my coaching. So all of my photography, which is my passion, all of my writing, this podcast became its own thing. And a a good part of the last six months has been spent unwinding that to to look at the creation itself has value. It doesn't necessarily have to be in service of marketing another thing. Mm -hmm. So so that is, and I think that's, there's a lot of imprinting around that on social media and what you are supposed to do to be successful as a solopreneur or entrepreneur these days. I think there's there's even imprinting happening there. Oh, oh yes. I mean, we, and this is what, so Laura and I had a little conversation you all before we got, we pressed the play button here. And one of the things we were talking about and what is about how in my, um, in my career, so the word career, you all is, it's very, I love words. Laura, do you love, I love words. Oh, I love more just- than anything. That's why the daily letter exists. And I, I've, I'll come back to my point. I'm just going to, I'm going to insert because I wrote about what comes first, the, the passion or the skill. And landed on their reciprocal, but where you apply it matters. 
And yeah, I would actually, I wouldn't, we can go down this road if you want to. I would, I would transform skill into gift Mm -hmm. uh, because gifts, gifts are given at birth. Skills are learned over time. So we can pause that. I want to come back to the word of career for a moment because overwhelming over it and all of it, the work that you do, Laura, the work that I do, the work that we have to do as women right now and any conscious being on the planet. So consciousness awake, going back to awake, knowing who we are because each of us has a part to play in the elevation and the expansion and the hopefully reharmonization of this world. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to get off our path. It's really easy to go into the should. It's really easy to design a life. I see so many smart people, women and men, design lives and careers and businesses that actually do not support how they naturally function and what's best and sustainable for them. I see it over and over and over and over again. So all my work and what we're talking about is really about sustainable success and living in alignment with your heart and soul design so that you can play your part on this planet and also receive the great life that you are here to receive, which doesn't mean there's no challenges, which means there's, not, doesn't mean there's no grief. It means that you get to, to, to savor your life versus just work like a clog in a machine or a slave to your own business or your own family, you know, that you can really be, you can savor, you can savor life. And so one of the one of the superpowers that I love to to talk about with people, if we could talk about it, is called harmonic defiance. Mm. And harmonic defiance is a the superpower of choosing to defy the systems, whether they're the external big ones or the ones you've set up yourself or your, even your own life design that no longer work for you. And to not have to rage about it, not have to rant about it, not have to social media post about it, not have to even talk about it. You just follow your own truth and create from there. And so what I'm asking everyone to do right now, and this is the perfect time, this is where we're at, whether you're in, in the world is like, what is actually not in alignment for me any longer? What is actually not sustainable for me any longer? And Laura, what you're talking about and what we had mentioned is I left the corporate world as an employee because the whole thing when I realized, oh my God, this is all about growing more and and sucking as much life force out of people as possible. And it's just like this machine and the people that are in it can be really good people, but because it's tied to the economy and the stock market, which is like this model that's just never, never, always just wants more. Yeah. It's never satisfied. Never satisfied. So it doesn't matter if you're a good person inside of an organization who wants to do better, you're still at the end of the day, you are beholden to those stockholders and to that your earnings per share has gone down a penny. So now we have to become a $20 billion company. This is what happened to me when I worked at The Gap. It was like, wait a second, like we're this great company and we do really good for the world. And I mean, it was a really good company to work for. But because of the pressure of same store sales not growing year after year at the rate Wall Street said, we got no bonuses. We had to make more. We had to work harder, like all of that stuff. That was 2006. We are at a choice point right now where the world is coming apart so that we can actually change something new. At that point, when I started asking people, well, why is it always about more? No one could answer. So I went into the transformational teacher world, which Laura and I were just talking about. And I'm like, this will be amazing. I will like go into this world and all these great people who want to help the world. And, and, you know, they're like awake and, you know, conscious and, uh-huh. and, uh, <laughs> 
Um, you know, that's true. Those others people are those people were in my corporate career. I worked with a lot of beautiful light beings who I'm still connected to. And I actually still work with organizations, but I was so, it was so, I think it kind of broke my heart in some ways to, to see like, wow, like the greed, the consumption, the pressure to have followers, what people would do to get followers, you know, like they would spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars investing in Facebook ads and buying bots and like doing all this stuff. Or when I was started to publish books, there was like a person that you would contact who would go out and you pay the person $30,000 and they will get your book onto the New York Times bestseller list. Yes. And I was just like, and like then I knew people who were best-selling authors and really high-paid speakers who did that, and I was just like, "What? Huh, what? Yeah, like, what yeah. what is, what's happening? <laughs> like we are here? Like the, it, 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 it was like this is the same energy that I saw in corporate America. It's the same energy you see in Hollywood and the celebrity models of like I have all these followers and like what people." So I'm like, Facebook isn't really real. Like, are they really your followers? If you had to spend all this money to be seen inside the system, yes. And but also you just spent $10,000 this month to boost your Facebook posts. So is it marketing or is it really social? Social, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lack of integrity, I guess. And it was disillusional to me. And it's interesting because over the, so this, as, as I shared with you before coming on and um, I'll, and it's interesting. I don't always out my story right away when I'm interviewing people, because often I don't even think there's a remote possibility that, that we'll talk about anything pertinent or relevant to it. But my sense from reading overwhelmed and over it was that you're for the paradigm of self-growth and um moving forward and creating new like we uh, you're on this we're on the same team was was my was how I was thinking about it I was like oh this is really refreshing and yet I know that if we don't talk about some of these things then we don't improve like it's no longer enough for me to sit inside a 10 by 8 room and just think about them I have to bring them to the world because I'll tell you one of the one of the things that I'm most deeply concerned is, <clears throat> is that coronavirus will be for nothing, that mm-hmm. all of the chaos in the political world will be for nothing. And this opportunity to realign, recalibrate, and, and move collectively could be squandered. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me up at night thinking mm-hmm. about how do I move forward now? What do I do with the podcast? What do I do with the websites? Mm-hmm. Who who do I speak with? Who do I bring on as guests? Mm-hmm. And in some way, I guess that's very much the process that you're talking about as far as getting things into alignment so that your, your work and your world truly supports who you are. Yeah, I'm getting full body chills, everyone, as Laura is speaking. So that's always when the truth chills. I'm very, my intuition is very kinesthetic. Um, And one of my deep passions is helping, and I I know this is one of yours because I see Free Your Inner Guru (laughs) behind (laughs) you, is is that we as women, as men, as children, as beings really learn how our intuition works. And if you don't know, and I go back to know your body, know your mind, know your heart. 
and know your soul. And if you don't know how your own intuition works, if you don't know your own fears, if you don't know your own mental crazy imprints in here that are driving you, you are creating and responding from the overculture. You just are. And, and we all are still. It's like I have deep imprints in me that say, you know, Christine, I'm, I'm on a 40-day practice right now. My birthday is February 17th. And I have a book, right? So a book comes out in October. In the paradigm of the publishing world, you got to push and you got to work and you got to spend a lot of money. And, and I worked this book as how I put everything into the world. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that um, in my research over the last 10 years, one of the things I found is that we are programmed to overgive and overwork and overdo and under-receive. So we're like these banks, right? That just keep giving, 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 and giving to our families, to our works, to our priorities, to whatever. And then we don't actually have what we need. And in why this is important to what we're talking about in this bigger overculture is when you don't know that about yourself and how that shows up for you, you will fall into the overculture, even if you're a person who wants to do good in the world, because you're still elevated, you're still Act, you're still you're still working from a, a, a consciousness that is still connected at some level to fear. And so when we talk about the transformational teacher world, or we talk about the educational system, or we talk about any of these ecosystems, the people I want to be really clear, it's not the people, no one's bad. And there actually isn't a team. It's more about consciousness. And what we can write, what, and I know that I know you and I are word people, so we have to be really clear with our own words, right? Because a team means that there's an opposite team, and that's part of what we're trying to elevate from. And I completely, in my heart, too, is like, oh, my God, please, everyone stay awake. Keep waking up. Like, keep elevating. Like, it's not, there's no election or no vaccine that's going to make this better. And it's super easy to go back to sleep and to be like, you know what, I'm just going to increase my consciousness and change 5%. And that's going to be enough. And you see this all the time. Whenever, I don't know, Laura, if you've done a lot of work or how this has shown up for you in relationship when people get divorced or they are in a challenge in their relationship and it's not working for them, their primary relationship. And so it gets really distressing and gets, ah, you know, it's like, it's very awful. And then one of the partners says, okay, I promise I'll do better. And they change 5%. Maybe even ten percent, just so they don't, because they don't want everything to fall apart. To keep the peace, yeah. to keep yeah. the peace, right? But ten percent isn't enough, you know. A and usually it goes back down to where they at. They go back to that set point. That's true for all of us right now. And I don't care if you've been on your awakening journey for twenty five years. I've been meditating since I was thirty. So, but I'm not stopping. Like I'm in a 40-day practice because my birthday is in February 17th and I'm being called to elevate. I'm being called to continue to look at like, where are the fear imprints in me? Where am I still pushing? Where do I believe that it's like, I have to make it happen? You know, what's the business structure that actually doesn't operate on fear? (laughs) And I don't know yet because we're actually creating it, but I know it's not what I call the beast model. And that beast model, whether you're an educator or you're working in government or corporate or in transformational teacher, the number of women that have called me on the phone, and I've been her too, that says, if I keep working this way, I'm going to die. If I keep working this way, like literally people, I'm going to die, or I can't just keep doing this anymore, or I'm going to get sick. That's That's what my inner wisdom said. If you keep working this way and trying to run this model that this world works on, you will get sick. And that was the moment I said, okay, no more. 
I'm, I'm not willing to have my story be, I got sick, I got cancer, I got this. Not that it's black and white direct, but I got a very clear message from the universe. If you keep doing this, this will happen. And, and so I've been in a process for like three to five years, depending on where you, where you, and I'm not there yet, but I'm like, I'm in it of like, if it's not sustainable, I'm not doing it. It takes going inside in order to determine that. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I will say or a phrase, you know, living from the inside out Mm -hmm. or designing it from the inside out. um, That's exactly, that's exactly what it's meant to mean. It doesn't mean that we ignore the outside world and don't respond to it. But I think a lot of people have fear or concern, but probably fear that, oh, it would take me too long to figure that out and to redesign it. So they they stay with the status quo, thinking that the marathon that they're in is somehow, you know, going to finish if they if they don't go back and, and redesign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's well, it's daunting, right? You all it's like, okay, Christine and Laura are being like, I gotta redesign my life. Oh my God. Like, you know, you go to that place. And it's like, and, it, and then it becomes overwhelming. It becomes over overwhelming. And so everyone just take a breath. This is not a race. <laughs> this is not a marathon. This is going, we are in, we are in a cycle of time that is way beyond one year. It's way beyond 10 years. I mean, it's, you know, we can look, you start to look at time and understand time, which is probably more than we want to go into right now. But it's a big part of my work is helping to look at time and like time is not linear. And like, there's these bigger cycles of time. And when you start to really get into what time is versus space, which is a big piece of of getting out of overwhelm of like, oh, okay, you mean I have to change everything tomorrow? No, you would short circuit yourself. It would be like, I'm in seventh grade and I'm going to go, you know, take master's degree physiology classes. Like you wouldn't, you couldn't understand it. You couldn't, you, and you, and it's interesting. I've studied yogic wisdom. So I study yogic wisdom, feminine wisdom, and indigenous wisdom. And one of the things that's really um, beautiful about yogic wisdom and science, what it teaches us a lot is about our nervous systems. And we don't talk a lot about our nervous systems, although we should talk about our nervous systems, because one of the reasons the levels of anxiety and and stress and sickness and mental fogginess and freneticness is because our nervous systems are not conditioned to handle the amount of stress, information, even before 2020, way before. This has been ratcheting oh, up. Yeah. Like our bodies, our bodies and our brains have evolved over millions of years, they can't adapt at the same speed that technology is driving it there. Exactly. And we're going so fast that it's like, we can't, we haven't even had the space. This is no one's fault. This is also what I want to say to anyone who's felt overwhelmed or overstretched or like, oh crap, like I've created jail for myself or I've created an unsustainable reality. It was not your fault. Like it isn't. This is just as how we've been programmed in I came to the number of of women I work with that have come to that point of like, oh my God, I just can't do it anymore, but I don't know what to do now. And the first step is always awareness of any transformation. So what, what I'm inviting you to and what Laura, I know what your work is about and many is like, we all got to wake up, be aware, be aware to what's going on in the system 
and be aware of what's going on inside of you. Like you have an internal operating system. You want to know how that it works. And there's no there there. I mean, that's the prop, that's the challenge you can see. And I love like for your inner guru, Laura, because any any spiritual teaching worth its worth you listening to it will tell you there is no there. I always say if you can know your five biggest lessons and your five kind of like, you know. <laughs> Like, mm, these are the things I get a little tweaked out in the ways that you act from your ego. To me, that's enlightenment. It's like, I'm just aware, you know, like for me, I sabotage myself when I feel like, so I don't, so there's eight different kinds of burnout. Physical is the last place it shows up in your body. And I very rarely get physical burnout any longer because of all the practices that I do and the way I've structured my life differently. And I also still get do a lot and achieve a lot, but I do it differently. But I get passion burnout more than is good for me. And passion burnout is where like you love what you do and you and you love it and you give to it, but it's almost like you become a slave to this thing, a machine to this thing where everything you do is about your work and giving to the world. And then I'll be like, but what about me? You know, and I have what I call the revol- the revolting. So I'll like I'll work this way for like, you know, a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden my sugar intake. So for me, it's all about my sugar intake. Like it's all about, because I'm not feeling the sweetness of life. I'd be like, wow, I crave brownies again. Oh, I ate brownies again. Oh, look, I had a glass of wine. You know, oh, I had another glass of wine. You know, it's like, so I, I know my brownies and wine. That's, that's what it is for me. And, um, and I'm not even having shame about it. It's like, this is like, we've got to talk about it. It's like, no, 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 you're, no yourself. I'm sabotaging. laughing with you, not at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark chocolate and wine for me. I'll have, you know, <laughs> Right. And so it's like, and I, and and it's like, that will probably be mine for the rest of my life. And it isn't that, so it's like, and I have to be aware of it. So it doesn't become a habit and it doesn't become a crutch for something else that's going on. So it becomes an awareness trigger for me of like, and this is where I go into my heart and I say, Christine, what's going on in there? Like mm-hmm. what's going on in my heart? What am I not receiving? What am I not getting? What's what's out of balance? What's out of harmony? And because I do my practices every morning, because I'm very connected to my inner wisdom, because I don't like, and your inner wisdom is like a friend. The more you talk to it, the more it talks back. The more you listen to it, the more it keeps talking. You're not talking. You can't just be like, I'm in crisis. Talk to me. Be like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you haven't been listening to me. Um, and so I just want to encourage everyone to know that when the overwhelm happens or the self-sabotaging happens, it's a sign. And you don't got to beat yourself up. You don't got to get down on yourself. It's not a a failure. It's not a failure. It's a curiosity of like, what's going on within me and what's going on around me? And what's the universe actually trying to show me that I haven't been willing to look at because it's pushing a part of me I don't want to let go of or I don't want to look at, or I don't want to stretch myself. Um, I'd rather just push and force and make it happen or hide under the covers and not deal with it at all, which neither one of those are, 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 are empowering. That's where the power comes from. Like it might, it isn't our fault, but you are the only one with the power to change it. And we take small steps that what I call significant, but small steps. That's one of the things I really like about the book. I'll just, uh, um, is that, for the way you've got it set up where there is um, something to, I'm just taking a pause here because I made a note because there's a rhythm to it, something to release and something to embrace. And, uh, and that's the cycle of it. Like release this, 
embrace that. Now choose one thing. Yes. And, and it's not, it's not about go and upend everything. Please don't do that. <laughs> I always say don't, no one you know, I'm like, that. yeah, don't chop your tree down. A lot of times I'm working with, you know, whether they're entrepreneurs, women are entrepreneurs or they're, um, or they're, they have jobs where they're paid and they'll be like, oh my God, like this is unsustainable or this isn't working for me anymore. I said, okay, well then let's create a transition plan. There's a transition here and, and you need space. You need, you need space to be able to make that transition to get clear on yourself first, what you desire. So you don't just go create relationship, job, career, life design, sucky pants, you know, 2.0, <laughs> you, you need to, you need space. And that's what the gift of the pandemic is, is like, hey, everybody, this is great time to actually go within and really get clear in there and like, what's actually not sustainable. Okay, that needs to shift. Great. What is sustaining me? Okay, let's strengthen that. And to do that, that this is like an actual action you can take is like, what is sustaining? What is no longer working for me? What is no longer sustainable? And I've just been either trying to make it work or just trying to tread water and look at that in your work life, look at it in your relationships and look at it in your life design. And I would journal it out, like journal it out, okay, no longer sustainable. And then look at those three areas of your life and then do the same for like, what is actually sustaining me? What is supporting me? And look in those three areas and those you want to strengthen. And that'll tell you like, that's a good starting point to start at. And, and then the third question would be, what's the support and structure I need to help me go through this transformation and this transition? Or one of my favorite words to step through this threshold, to step across the threshold from the way I've been living and working to the way I desire to be. And you do need support. We all need support. We all need structure. I mean, I have two spiritual mentors I've worked with for over 15 years. I've done, you know, intensive transformational leadership programs. Like I, I just didn't pop out, you know, like this. I have had teachers. And say, and Here's my book. <laughs> and I think, and I actually talk about it in the book. I say one of the one of the imprints that we have to release is um, is take it all on, or do it on my own. Or the nose was do it on my own, do it on my own. And the new imprint is receive sisterhood and support. And it's one of the things I see in um, a lot uh, an imprint of women, especially not choosing to spend money on themselves or invest time and money in themselves, unless it's directly related to their professional um, acceleration of their career um, until they, or they, or it's paid by health insurance. Like those are the two things. So like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm like, you know, I'm breaking down. I need a therapist. I was in therapy for two years when I first woke up and I paid for it out of my pocket and then got reimbursed through my healthcare because I was like, I want to go see someone who can really help me. And not just have someone cycle. Not that, and I want to say therapy is good, you know. So if you and if you can use your insurance, that's great too. But I'm trying to get under is that that it's not about investing tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands. That's part of the shadow of the transformational teacher world. You do have to be, you have to be aware. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that it's called the funnel model, which always like, I literally like I just like and there's the a funnel I, model with the tripwire. Is With that the, the funnel model we're talking about? Yeah, and right? it's, like it's, it's, yeah, and it's it's trying it's trying it's 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 poking at your fear and it's your pain body and it's like let's talk to their pain body and make them feel like if they don't get this 
then then they're doomed, you know. And I I myself have spent and I've witnessed many other people spend a lot of money in places that didn't actually give them the support that they actually needed. It just promised a lot of stuff. So be aware about that. You'll know that in your body. You'll feel it in your body, whether you're grasping for something or you're thinking that, oh, if I do, this person can give me something. Oh, they have the information. They know the answers. No. If someone tells you, I can I can tell you how to make $20,000 a month in five months, I would run for the hills. If someone for can tell the you, hills. we can, like, I can make you so that your, your, your weight loss will go away and then you'll, you know, stick to that in four months, like, run the other way. Is that this is a this is a choice you all for how you live, and and this is about creating relationships with each other that we each have a part to play in this and to and to do it with community to do it with mentors to do it with friends and sisters like there's so many levels of support some that don't cost any money at all I have a monthly femma mind with my friend Shasta we've been meeting for five years. And for one for for two hours once a month, and our friendship has deepened. Where she's also an author, and it's one of my most important lifelines. I didn't have to join a group for that. I had to make an invitation for that. And so there's so yeah. I'll just pause there because I'm very like I don't know how to get through this threshold without sisterhood and support. And I think it's part of the overculture that makes women feel like they don't have time. Or they have to have gazillions of dollars to do it and or they shouldn't make an investment in it. Better to remodel your kitchen (laughs) and remodel yourself from the inside. What I'm hearing from you is standing for a varied approach, knowing that you can get what you need at, at every level and that it doesn't have to be like we're often told in the transformational world that if you're not willing to commit x y z if you're not willing to invest these these huge dollars um then you don't truly believe in yourself or that you're stuck in fear and and these are almost like the memes of that formulaic um i've got the secrets you have to learn from me i can help you um, it's, yeah, model. It's, it's bullying. I mean, it is, it's, it's a level I, I can remember being, and then this was like still early on. I was, this is a while ago, but being in a room where literally one of the top transformational teachers in the world who many have modeled their businesses after got up on stage and looked at everybody and said, if you do not go to the back of the room right now and sign up for this program, you are a loser. And I just looked around at everybody and they were running to the back of the room. I'm just like, what? And it was like, I was watching what he was doing. You know, he was using NLP. He was using all kinds of different things. And it's what's sad about it. And this is why I, I kind of, I left the transformational teacher world. I didn't leave my work because I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I can interact in many worlds. You know, it's like, I am, I, this is my part. This is what I do. Um, but the organization, the systems themselves have both toxicity in them and they also have divinity in them. And, and, and you just have to be aware of that. And I think that, um, I think that, you know, I've seen this too. I was talking to a, um, um, a woman the other day and we were exploring, you know, what she needed. I have an ant. Oh, I have an ant on my, um, on my desk. I love it. So an ant is one of my totem animals, you all, and it's crawling on my desk and it always shows up. It's a, it's a symbol of patience and it's a symbol of collaboration. And I love that it's here. So to me, what that's telling me is 
here's a here's a piece of a piece of wisdom. If you ever feel pressured to make a decision, don't. If you feel the pressure to make a decision, you don't. Whether that's a person that you're on the phone with or that's a person that you are listening to um, or it's just your own internal pressure, you got to slow down and take a breath and get out of your head, which is not the place to make decisions from. It's it's pro it's literally we, that's a whole other we can we can go there, yeah. but it's not the place. But your heart, if you don't know your heart, you don't know your triggers. So, like you, you will oftentimes respond and react and make decisions from the fantasy or the dream that is an ungrounded reality or from the wound, right? So, for like for example, with me with overwhelmed and over it. Um, knowing that it was coming out. So I've been writing it for three years, researching it for 10 and living it more importantly. And every year I choose one over. So there's 13 different ways we over give and bankrupt ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually that we um, to transform. And so I chose the over of overextending, meaning I will not overextend my life force, my money, my resources, or my team in a year that I'm like, you know, putting this whole body of work into the world, which is crazy because it's like, if you think about it, just from like any, I don't use the word launch, but product launch in the world, like you have to put, cause launch, like I have to put all this energy and all this money to get the thing into the world, like, like a rocket ship. Right. And there's all this pressure to perform and you have to like, you know, get out there and be seen and have the thing, you know, sh- shoot to number one on the Amazon and like all this all this Mishigash, right? Including the third, the man that you paid $30,000 to Mishigash. One of my favorite words, one of my clients, which is a, which is a, I think that's Yiddish, uh, but one of my Jewish clients told me about it. She's like, do you know what Mishigash is? I'm like, I love that word. Can I use it? She's like, absolutely. So it's a bunch of Mishigash, right? And so as I was going through the year, what would come up is like, oh, like I need a new website and new websites cost $10,000. Where am I going to get $10,000 from? And and, and I'm like, I'm not overextending myself. The money has to be there. The team has to be there. And this was this was last year when lots of small businesses were taking loans, getting easy loans. And I was like, I will not take, I will not go into debt, life force, energy, money for this book. So I refused to take any debt on. And so I'm like, all right, universe, like you have to show me how this is going to come together. And it was a holy receiving lesson for me of women showing up, there was a team of four of us that actually worked together, a designer, two designers, and um, and uh, a person who kind of helped me project manage it and strategize it. And I did pay them money. It wasn't like I didn't pay them money, but it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars. And it was like, it, we did it over, over time. We said, okay, this is what's most important. And then this, and then this. And, and, and so I didn't, I mean, I, I got, I got close to overstretching, um, and it was an intense time and, but it, but the way it came together was like, can I receive this? Can I, can I receive like literally one of the women, Jory, who's a woman who's did most of the strategy with me and program managing. And she goes, Christine, she has a whole business that does all of that. She goes, this is a passion project for me. And I believe in you and I want to support you and I want to support this book. And so how about you pay me like, you know, I don't know, $200 a month or whatever, you know, it was, it was a very small amount because she wanted to do it because she wanted to be part of it. So there was still a money exchange, but it was really an energetic exchange that made, was giving her something too. Um, and I was like, 
I can receive that. <laughs> you know, it was like, can I, can I receive that and not go to that place of like, I have to pay for this or something's wrong. Um, and that's part of what I think we're, we're challenged with is it's really hard for us to receive. And we feel like we either have to give a lot of money to it or we have to do it all on our own. And there's a different way that I feel like we're, we're, we're finding together where the exchange is harmonious and we don't get out of balance. We don't overgive and we also don't underreceive. I grabbed a quote out of the book and it just seems perfect to drop in here um, after your reference to patients, after seeing the ant and, and what you're talking about. And, it, and it's this, and it is in the, it is in the section about um, liberating your time. And I'm very open to getting into talk about time and creating space. So we'll come back around to that. But, but you write to find the flow, right? Aligned, harmonious, harmonious t- timing. You need a strong connection with your intuition. I know my internal timing belt is usually ahead of the timing when the world is ready for what I have to offer. I used to push force and spend my resources to make things happen faster than was in the flow. And I paid the price exhausting my life force, resources, and team. So now patience is my practice. <laughs> it patience feels like practice. It feels like you just illuminated that from the example that you gave. Because in the right timing, you are able to receive and give. And and one of the other things you talk about is one of the imprints is, is it's better to give than receive. And the, the thing to embrace is that it, that it's, it's great to give, but it's also great to receive. Well, it's essential, right? So if we were, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be an MBA or a business whiz to know like, oh, if I'm a bank who only gives withdrawals, but takes in no deposits or not enough, what's going to happen? You're going to go bankrupt. And we do, that's how we run our lives, how we run our businesses, how we run our families. It goes back to what I said about how women have become so tolerant, we've become too resilient. And it's one of the interesting things because there's so much talk about resilience right now. And, 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 and I'm, and I'm, I'm usually the one who's like the warning, warning, like, you know, don't do go too far over here. Like you're saying, don't go to sleep. Like, don't just think, oh, you know, although, you know, it's like, all this is just going to settle back down. Cause then it's like a pimple that, you know, or a boil that like flares up and then you put a warm compress on it, but it just comes back up and then it just keeps coming back up. And like, we're at the point in our world, we had to lance that. <laughs> it needs to be lanced in a, in a, in a, in a loving way. You know, I think that's what we've seen in 2020 and what's true in all of our lives. Like you can go at that boil, which all these things are boiling up and it could be really destructive and really harsh and really just like really destructive and like not a, not a, not a graceful way. Mm-hmm. And, or we can choose to go through this, this change for ourselves. And as a culture, my words are sacred transformation. And the word sacred is one of my favorite words because it means to be devoted or dedicated to doing things from a place of respect and reverence without violence to others or the self in a way that actually leads to wholeness. And like, this is the thing you all like, we're going through a transformation. You're in a transformation, whether you want to, you want to, you want to embrace it or not. Like we are like, you know, we're like, I was just talking about this on my, on my feminine power time podcast. Like we're like, it was, I was sitting here actually taping it last week and I was cracking myself up, Laura and everyone. I was like, we're like, there's like the caterpillar and then the caterpillar like gets into the goo and like, we're in the goo and we're like, I don't like the goo. The goo is uncomfortable. It's hot in here. Like, I don't want to have to look at this. Like, can I just like turn on Netflix or like, you know, have a third glass of wine or, you know, whatever. 
And, and sometimes, yes, I'm watching the good witch currently. So good, Witch is like, it's all good. But I was like, you can't, you can't, you can't go back. You can't like, you're in the goo. You cannot go back and actually try to put together, you know, your caterpillar self. And if you don't move through the goo and keep going through the goo, or you're going to come out and, and you don't do the inner work, you're not just inner work. You don't, you don't allow yourself to have the inner transformation happen, you're going to come out with like a butterfly with one wing and like a leg and like, you know, like some morphic thing that is not. And it's, this is like, to me, a great gift. And it's interesting for me, every book I write, every book, the four books I've written, they're all simple, but significant. Meaning like what it took me to write them was not simple. Cause it was like, when I wrote about self-love in my second book, Madly in Love with Me, I'm like, what is self-love? What is it really? And how do you know if you're loving yourself? Cause you were talking about the me, 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 me culture. That me, 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 me culture is not self-love. It's a, it's what I call the self-absorption to narcissism, to sociopath spectrum. <laughs> and that's not loving. That's actually a lot of wounding. And when I dug into self-love, I'm like, oh my God, there's like self-care and there's self-expression. There's these like 12 different kinds of, 10 different kinds of self-love. And you want to know where you're strong and where you're weak and then strengthen. Well, the same thing is like true around, around the, the life that we design and what we really desire and what isn't working for us. And it's so empowering to like get, and this is like I loved, and lo- well, I kind of love this in March when I was finishing some of the edits and not that I want a pandemic to happen. Of course, that's like not the way I would wish that we would have to do, to do this, um, but it is what's happening. And well, how many opportunities have we missed before that it's taken a pandemic? A lot, a lot of opportunities, right? So it's like, as my, my friend's an astrologer, and I had her come on for an interview, and I, what I love what she said, she goes, you know, it could be a lot worse. We could have a virus that makes you blind. We could have a virus that makes it so you can't walk. You know, it's like it doesn't discount the people who have who have died or the things that it's happened, but we weren't listening as a culture. And there are parts even in our own lives that we weren't completely willing to go. And there's all these levels of depth. So again, not our fault. It's not like the law of attraction. Like we cause this, it's our fault. Like, cause that's just going to bring you down into the fear. It's like, what are you going to do with this? And it's what Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. It's easier to go out there and say, we have to change that. And we have to change that. And we have to change that. But to look at your own life and look at your own fears and look at the way that you maybe show up in a way that's not kind and compassionate and sacred to yourself and others. Um, with my clients, I'm completely judgment-free. I never judge any person I coach or hold space for. I am not a judgment-free individual. I, you know, I ask my husband downstairs, I judge him all the time <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, and then my ego has a scorpion tail. And uh, and then when it's like, you know, it's stressed out, it likes to bite him, stings him. It stings him way more than it stings me. I always say my inner mean girl is much more of an outer mean girl because he's like this beautiful, loving being who I know is never going to leave. So when I can't be with myself, what do I do? I go and I attack him. But I'm aware of that. And so my work is to to keep cultivating loving and kindness within myself. Like, can I be a better person? Can I be more kind when I'm responding from that ego that wants to like cut his head off or cut someone's head off? It's because there's something going on in me that I can't be with. When when I'm listening to you, what I'm what I'm thinking is is somebody hearing this is like, okay, so how does that relate 
to changing the world on the outside the way it needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. So do you, want, do you want me to go? I can go. There's a large scale of consciousness here that we can. I can talk to this at. And this goes back to where we started about waking up, right? You're never done because you're always waking up to higher levels of consciousness. So when you when you think of like the word guru, there are beings that have been on this planet that have have risen to very high levels of consciousness and don't think it wasn't work for them to get there. Like what they actually had to do, what any of us have had to do to keep waking up. And so it's always interesting. I'm like, do I talk at it from the level of consciousness? It's like, you know, the PhD level, or do I start at the kind of entry How level? About this? Start PhD. And if I sense that it needs to be broken down, I'll, okay. I'll intervene on you. And if we talk okay. over each other, finish your sentence and I'll pull it apart. Okay. That sounds good. So be the change you wish to see. Like we've all heard, this is actually a good imprint, but this is actually what happens to some of the most powerful imprints that are on the planet. They become refrigerator magnets, memes, and journal covers. And then they're like, it's like Kleenex. It's like, it's just, it doesn't have any meaning anymore. So be the change you wish to see is not a meme. It is a directive for how to live. It is like, this is direction. Like this is what you do. Be the change I wish to see. Gandhi said it. Jesus taught it. I mean, this is goes beyond like this is this is just plain old wisdom. So say there's something in your life. Look at the world right now. So look at look at something in the world that pisses you off, that frustrates you, that you're just like, I can't even believe you have judgment about. That you have judgment about. And and I'll use an example. This is like, I can't believe this example is coming in, but this is what this is what's coming through. So, so when number 45 was elected into office, um, I did not vote for him. And this is not a, this is, and I, and I won't say this is not a political statement because that in itself creates divisiveness. I am talking about from a leadership perspective, we do not vote for party because if you vote for party, you're part of the fear system. Duality, reality, Republican, Democrat, it's a whole system that is based on keeping people trapped in the fear grid. You vote for the person who you believe literally is coming from their heart, that is like has the best interest of the whole. That's the job of a leader, to have the best interest of the whole at heart and to understand the individual dynamics and to move whatever system it is, whether it's a corporate system, an education system, a family system, to harmony. And not false harmony, like I'm just going to smile and make everything okay and be nice and nice, like move it to harmony. And it's not to be famous, Christine. That's not the purpose of the leader. (laughs) That is not the purpose of the leader. And sometimes the leader has to do really hard stuff. It's like not the most popular job in, in the world. And so I'm not, so I'm not, I'm having, a, I'm asking everyone to elevate outside of the structure of Republican Democrat, because that structure doesn't actually serve. It just keeps the duality going. So we're going to go up to just like leadership, right? So one thing that is true in my, my experience of watching number 45 um, watching, well, also do, watching Donald Trump, because as I watched him, his whole life, he's been very self-centered. I mean, that's just part of who he is, whether he was a, a, a tycoon or whatever, like that's part of how he became successful in the business world, because that is actually a very common archetype for people who become successful in the business world. And when I watched him and on, on, on the disrespect that I saw between him and Hillary when they were in, in where they were in the election and just like the anger and like the dis- disrespect, it was just like, and how she couldn't be angry because if she was angry, she would be 
the angry white lady. She'd be a bitch. And he could be angry and like attack her. And somehow it like, (laughs) that really made me angry because from a, from a, from a humanity perspective, and a lot of my work is about the feminine and really bringing understanding to what the feminine is and, and making the feminine sacred again in this world and bringing the masculine over. And then together we can create this wholeness. And it was a, it was an, it was a, it was a, it was just such a, from, from a, from a PhD level perspective, it was a, um, it was an, it was a, it was just the same thing again. It was like, it was like discounting and dismissing the feminine. And, and if you, and so I was like, wow, so what is it in me? So this is where it goes to be the change. Like I could sit around all day and talk about how the, you know, this dynamics and how it's, you know, attacking the feminine. What in me is attacking the feminine? Mm. How am I showing up as an angry person and just letting my anger spew around and not taking responsibility for it? Where is my distorted masculine? So what from a from a PhD level perspective, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in that specific instance was the distorted, well, there's distorted masculine on a lot of different levels in that, but like really distorted power, like really distorted power. And like, so where am I distorted? You know, and, and I teach feminine and masculine power and integrated power and how to, but I'm like, I got to go here. Like, I got to look inside of me. So there's that part, like with Noah, who's the most loving, kind, gentle, and strong in his loving kindness, who would never, never meets me with anger. And how do you, in this may be a, a personal uh, experience, but, but when you go to that big mirror, how do you know for you when it's the mirror and showing you something of yourself and when it's something that it's I'm just discerning this out that it's not on me because I think the hyper responsible among us mm-hmm. can take on stuff that that isn't theirs through that mirror as well. Yes. So that thank you for presencing that. So there's a so so the, there's just one very simple question: Is this mine? is this mine? Um, sometimes when I'm doing work with women and we're doing some of the excavation inner work, we'll come to an imprint that is, um, is, is hereditary. They, those passed down from their mother. Usually it comes down the mother line, not always, but it comes down the mother line. And I talk about this and overwhelmed and over it of how like we get these imprints. One of my imprints of watching my, my mother growing up, the woman never sat down. Like she worked a full-time job. She was a Girl Scout leader. She always had a sec, she always had a second business. You know, like she just never, she was a, she was a doing at it and she just, just never sat. And I took that imprint on and I literally had to deprogram my nervous system because I couldn't just sit and be and I literally, like, I would twitch you know, when I first, I would like, you know, and I'm like, yin yoga, why would I want to do yin yoga? Like, I'm going to power yoga. You know, it was like, I was, and I, and then when I got into this, I was like, is that mine? Like, am I really doing at it? And it was like, actually, that's hers. That's her imprint. I took it on and she passed it down. And I can actually say, you know what? I don't want this. I'm just, you keep it, not mine. Now there is another imprint in me that's connected to um, when I in my inner mean girl work we identified I think it's like twelve different archetypes of the inner mean girl that are specific to women. So there's was this doing addict who would tell me all the time you can't you can't play until you you know get all your work done. That wasn't mine. That was totally hers. Gave that back to her. But what was mine was my achievement junkie, which was like never let me actually savor a success. 
always had to keep getting on to the next thing was that really high bars. And I would meet those bars and she wouldn't let me actually receive from the experience. And this happened over. So when I worked in corporate, I was always like trying to get promoted to the next place and to the next, I was like, it was very, it was very, it was very well received, you know, in the corporate career. And again, thinking about career, the, the root of the word means the path that you follow. Career is a path. That's the root of the word. The current definition of career in this modern culture, overculture, is to proceed at a fast pace. Mm. So just think about that and the pressure we put on ourselves, whether, you know, in, in this current world that I'm in, it's being a best-selling author or hitting some, you know, six figure, seven figure, you know, whatever that, that is. If you're in a if you're in a in an organization, it's like getting to the next level. And so you're never really satisfied. You're not you can never be satisfied. You can never be fulfilled. Now that inner mean girl of mine, so I'm gonna go P, I'm gonna go mm, college level here. This is where the heart is. This is why the power of for all of us is in our heart. I had to really look at where does she come from? Where is that part of me that's pushing and striving and grinding? What, where does that come from in me? And what I learned was um, it was actually, and I know this about all of it, it, she wanted to protect me from getting stuck. Mm. And I grew up on the South side of Chicago. Um, all of my friends, my two best friends were pregnant by the age of 15 and most, I have friends that went there, they went to jail, some went to college, but most of them went to a jail or trade school. That's where, that's where they went. And, and she's like, we got to make sure you get out of here. You know? So she like propelled me to like be straight A student. And she propelled me like to go to college, even though none of my friends and none of nobody in my, my family had went, but she didn't get that when I was finally out of all of that, that she could chill out. And I yeah, didn't, she could rest. Me. She could rest. She needed a new job. And, and so we all have those imprints and they were, they protected us at some point. And then you get to the place where they're not protecting you anymore. You're actually creating your reality from the wound instead of from your wholeness. And you don't know it because if you don't know your wound and you don't know the, where it comes from and you don't have to sit on a couch for 25 years and talk about it, you actually need to just get clear about it and be like, all right, I'm going to actively transform this. And that is where we do have the power within us. I think a, a lot of people listening, if they are in that overwhelmed state, given that we, we've we've spent time on the the concept level, might be thinking, okay, but I don't have the time for that, or I don't have the time to figure out how. And I think this is a, a an opportunity to talk a little bit about time and space, and and how we can look at our time differently because. Because we have, as a culture, taken on that, you know, time is a finite resource because we only have so many time, uh, so many hours and minutes and seconds in the day. And, and that might be a, a lovely way, place to sort of bring, yeah. bring this home, so to speak. <laughs> Let's bring it home. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, well, should we jump into time and space? Sure. So one of the, um, so time and space, you all, um, this could be a series of podcasts for sure, mm -hmm. but here's what's important for us to all understand today as a starting point. The old imprint is that will keep you stuck in overwhelm and burnout and all of the, the overculture is I need to find and make time. And the truth is you cannot find time because time's not lost. 
You can't make more time. There's no time kitchen. Time is a finite measure that is man-made. So here's like part of the overarching thing where we started from is that these are all these man-made systems. You don't even know that you're that are running you. And there is something else, which is space. And the, the new imprint is to create, to learn how to create space. And I love this when I was writing this in the book. I'm like, oh my God, like how do I explain time and space to people <laughs> in a way that gives them the tools the of actually, right? Yeah. To and it's a whole other way of looking at productivity and prioritization that doesn't treat us like a machine that has to be a cog in a wheel, but opens us up to cr- being really co-creative beings. And Einstein knew this. Steve Jobs knew this. Like so many people who have created new worlds have 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 known this. They know. We know how to work within the constructs of time, and Einstein said it the best. He goes like, look, basically, the reason we have time is so we have the real only purpose and value of it is so we have an agreed upon time when we should do things, right? It's like you and I are here on this podcast, and it's like you told me, like, be here at this time. And so otherwise, you'd be like, well, I'm kind of trying to feel into it. Is she there? I don't know. Like, you can't use your intuition, right, for that. Um, But that's all it is because it's finite. There's 24-7 seven days a week. And if you even think about the structure of time, it's linear, right? So it's like you have weeks and these seven days and there's, they're like lines or you think of timelines or deadline. Did you all know the word deadline, which I invite you all to get rid of as soon as possible was a line in the civil war that was used in prison camps. That If you actually went past the line, they shot you dead. So think of the the genesis of that word of like, I have a deadline. Why One of the reasons we all feel so much pressure is it's not movable. And if I go past this, I'm going to die. Of course, no one's going to shoot you, but metaphorically, right? And it's like all this false urgency and this false pressure gets, an unnecessary pressure gets created. But when you learn how to use what I call healthy time pressure, so it like be like versus toxic time pressure. So for example, with my book, I had a series of, dates in which I had to provide my editor with parts of my manuscript. And that created healthy pressure. Because without that, I would have just swirled around in my day to day. And I mean, I have a full life, there's a lot going on, how am I going to create space to write a book while I'm also running my business and doing all my work, you know, it's not these, there's not like you're just this author who gets to sit, you know, around for months and months and just pontificate. That means, I mean, maybe some authors get to do that, but that's not how most of, most of us operate, but, or I could try to squeeze it in. I'll just squeeze it in on a Friday or I'll just squeeze it in or whatever. That doesn't work either because that creates overwhelm. And so we work with this healthy time pressure to say, okay, this needs to be complete by say March 23rd as a time span. So if you were to think of it, like say like wherever we are today and you were to think three months out from now and something you want to create, instead of thinking of it as like a timeline or a deadline, you think of it like an arc, like a rainbow. There's a visual of this in in the book. It helps to see it. So it's like a rainbow, it's a span. And there's like a midpoint and there's milestones and there's what we call the completion date, when we would like it to be complete by. And that creates space. So that made me say, okay, if if this needs to be to my editor by March 23rd, then I'm going to create this. I'm going to design my schedule and design my life so that I have a full week at this time where I'm not working on the computer or coaching people in the mornings until afternoon. So I could just be in my creative space. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then as I was working on the book, I'd be like, 
yeah, I don't think I'm going to make the 20. I could feel it. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the 20. I'm not, you know, and then I, and I literally had this experience. I was like, I'm not going to make it unless I like work 16 hours a day. And I put all this pressure on myself. And I'm like, of course, I'm like, I'm writing this book. I have to live my principles. And so the principle. And not overwhelm yourself while you're writing. Not overwhelm myself. Yeah. So the only way you can get out of the time grid is you have to learn how to work with space to trust it and then get really clear about the space you need and actually name it, state it and claim it. And so, for example, I didn't. So what I did in this case is I didn't email my publisher and say, I really am so sorry and I need some extra space. Will you pretty please like give it to me? I had to take a breath and be like, what do I need? And I got quiet and I felt in. I'm like, I need about three more weeks. And this is this is what I can do. And so I stated, I sent an email and I said, you know, here's where I am in the book. And this is what I need. And this is when I'll be turning it in. If you'd like what I have right now, I'll send it to you and or I'll send it all to you at once. Which would you like? No, like weirdo, like trying to like good girl, make it all. But it and it, you all, it brought a fear in my body. Like I could literally feel the fear coming up because I have an imprint that I've been working on releasing that I'm probably for a decade of it's not okay for me to ask for what I need. Because mm-hmm. I've had experiences in my life in which I asked for what I needed and I either didn't get it didn't show up or didn't go so well, like literally like violence, you know, like anger coming at me. And, and it was like, wow, there that is again. But I know that about myself. And so as I'm doing it, I'm aware that the fear is coming through my body. I can feel it in my nervous system. And I'm realizing, oh, this is how I'm rewiring myself and elevating myself through this interaction in relationship. And I've had with that and I've had interactions with that publisher that were really hard before. I'm like, "Oh my god, she's going to come back and she's going to yell at me." And I'm like, "Wow, like where did that come from?" You know, and just like watching all the stuff move through me and then from having the practices, you know, it's, it's, I have a morning practice, I have an evening practice, like little things I do in the first hour and the last hour. So there's a lot of this is also about putting these structures and systems into place within how you live your daily life so that when the initiation, the challenge comes up, your nervous system is strong enough to be with it. You, you, and you have the practices to move through it and or the support. You know, at that point, I reached out to my friend Shasta. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little scared. I got to ask for time. And she's like, okay, Christine, breathe. You deserve, you can, you can have this time. And I'm like, okay, thanks Shasta. You know, <laughs> thanks so much. It's like, I have all these different practices and structures and tools. And that's where like, you put them into place now so that they're there for you when you need them. And, and you can, because you have that base for lack of a better word, a, a baseline that is showing you where your harmony is that it's easier to to figure out when you're truly off or or when you're if it's something else talking to you telling you that you're not going to be there you you need three more weeks this isn't going to because I think we've all had that that situation where like oh I'll never get that essay done I'll never get this done and then then you actually do and you and in that situation you wouldn't negotiate correct mm-hmm. and that's where you have to know right well, this is healthy time pressure I'm I'm working right now I'm getting um, something into the world that I've been working on for nine months. And we're like down to the, we're like, like right there. And I said, you know, this feels like birth. 
And this is like the feminine, natural way of bringing things into the world. And when you give birth, I mean, I've not had a physical child, but from <laughs> I, have, I have many book children, but from what I understand about, about what happens to our body is that it, if you try to push when you're not supposed to push is not good. The body will open itself naturally to push through something that you're like, how did that even come out? You know, and it's time. And, and that's what we're, we have to learn. We have to relearn how to remember how to do in that moment that there's a, there's a, um, a level of de- devotion and dedication and commitment to it. That is absolutely, it's intense, mm-hmm. but it, but it's different than toxic time pressure. That's not really needed and that energy could have been used in other ways. And that is part of what, if we want out of this, we want to liberate into a different reality, we have to become really keen on really saying, oh, that's false urgency. Oh, that's like an unnecessary timeline. Oh, that's toxic time pressure. And then have the courage to look at ourselves. Are we the ones driving it? And or if it's happening outside from somebody else, actually say, if you want me to do this, this is what this will take, or this is what I can do. And then notice how it brings up fear in us, probably for something that happened to you when you were five or seven or 11, you know, it's tied to those parts and like stand there anyway. I think we've all had those days where we feel like we have to, or want, or even want to cram as much into that day to get over a threshold and then recently, just a couple of days ago, I turned around at 1 p.m. and I was like, wow, I'm done. Like, and looked at the time that it opened up during that day because of how it had been arranged and, and some rhythm and some flow came into it versus that, you know, that steady, steady beat. And, uh, and, and so I think we can watch in our own lives, time expanding and compressing on us. Mm-hmm. And we, and, and we, and then it's, it's how that it's, it, yes, exactly. And we, and there are different rhythms. So this is all really about understanding your own rhythm and how you create best. And the metaphor I use is about a symphony. And there are sometimes when it's like staccato and it's intense and it's just like full out. But if you played a symphony and you play your life full out at staccato full out like your tuba player is going to quit the violinist is going to have bloody fingers everyone's going to run from the hills you have to have like all these different three levels of harmonic rhythm and so there's intensity there's flow and then there's kind of replenishment lyrical and you want those three levels every day you want them every week you want them every month and you want them every year and so as you start to look at your days your weeks your months your years and you start to understand what is in harmony and what's not and you use these principles that we're talking about then you are actually, instead of working in these fabricated 40-hour weeks with no one really works and five days, whatever it is, we're going to find a much more natural way to work that is actually more efficient and more importantly, more enjoyable for all of us. And you know, it doesn't mean there's not going to be times when you might work 80 hours in a week, but you're not counting the hours. I don't count the hours in my how, much, how many hours I work. I, 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 I look at and make sure I have space to breathe. So when I'm in a time of intensity, I have a slow start Monday. I have space morning on Wednesdays. I breathe, you know, so I don't schedule anything before 11 o'clock on Wednesdays. And I have a Sabbath day on Saturdays, no thinking. I'm not allowed to think about anything strategic, a business, nothing, no thinking about anything, like just let it turn off. And, you know, it's restore and replenish. And when I follow that pattern, 
I have so much more energy. I can actually create and, and do more of what matters. And I don't then get passion burnout and all the other types of burnouts because I'm actually being nourished as a whole person. But if I don't get my Monday slow start or I don't, you know, I, I, I squeeze out my Wednesdays or if I give out my Sabbath day, I start to get cranky and crunchy and the, the unkindness comes out more. I can't be my best person, my best leader, my best partner, my best friend when I'm squeezed. None of us can. So this is part of um, creating space and, um, and, and being able to breathe in our lives again. And in our world. Yeah. Well, Christine, it has been a pleasure. And I want to thank you for like for for the book. And I'll leave links to it and your website and social media in the show notes for anyone who's whose hands and eyes are tasked with anything more than just listening at this point. And uh and and thanks for covering the full gamut here. Mm -hmm. It's it's not always possible. And, and when the opportunity presents, um, it's always a joy. Mm, well, thank you. And just sending many blessings to you all. And remember, you're not alone on this. It is not your fault. It's just what do we want to do with it from here? And we have that co-creative power within us. I believe that with all of my heart. And there's a great Chinese proverb that says, may you live in interesting times. And, and I think we live in interesting times. <laughs> and so I'm excited to see what we can all create together, especially as we be real about, you know, what we don't, we're not, we're not assimilating anymore. We are going to actually tell the truth and then we're together. We're going to, we're going to create a new way. That's going to be amazing. I know that my heart. Thanks for listening. I know you've got an abundance of choice when it comes to podcasts more and more with every week, month, and year, and that you're here is not lost on me. If you would like to connect with Christine, you'll find links to her website, and social media in the show notes, as well as links back to freeyourinnerguru.com and our brand new discourse community. If you know another conscious leader who would benefit from this episode, please do share. And I'm always grateful for ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and other applications that let you leave a review. Until next time, I'm Laura Tucker signing off for Free Your Inner Guru.